<coughs> sorry with the way it's uh, come about. Well, let's settle that aside for a moment, as important as it is, and let's um, think about the reading that Ashley just brought to us a few moments ago. Uh, and let's begin in praying. Father, we, um, we thank you for the, the wonderful truth that Ashley brought to us from your word this morning. Because here we see the Lord Jesus, and we see his power and authority, even power and authority over death. And I pray, Lord, that as we think on this person and what it means that he can do this, I pray that it would affect our hearts and minds and lives. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, because it's a special service and in in some ways we're coming to the, uh, I'm going to be away now for a a little while, we're not carrying on our series in Matthew. We're doing this one-off with these short verses in Luke. And this morning we see Jesus raised to life a young man who died. Now, for those of us who come to church regularly, that may not seem like a big deal, what I've just said, but if there's any visitors here this morning, and I hope there are, what I've just said is an enormous deal. Jesus raised a young man back to life who died. That's staggering. Death is one of those things that can be difficult to speak about. Even in a church family, I was just talking about Anne and her funeral tomorrow, there's a sense that it's hard to speak about. We don't know how to put into words the feelings we have or the thoughts that it gives or the way it makes us feel. I I believe there's not many taboos left in our society about what not to talk about, but death, I think, is still one of them. Even if we, we raise it, we kind of turn away from it. We don't like to look at it fully. We, we, we like to keep it at arm's length. We do all we can to ensure that people are not confronted by the reality of death. When someone dies, often uh, their bodies are removed immediately. Uh, certainly in Pākehā uh, culture, I think our tangata whenua brothers and sisters do much better in this area than we do, but we, we keep it at arm's length. Funerals now are not at a graveside where you're confronted with the reality often, but they're, they're in, a, in a, a much nicer building and surrounding, in a chapel somewhere. But why is that? Because, friends, uh, death is the, the one great equaliser and the one sure thing in life. We may be different in gender and in height and in relationships and in our careers and in quality of health and in our pay scales, but we will all die. We're all equal in that way, regardless of our age or our education, regardless of our achievements or our training, whether we've paid off a mortgage or we've rented all our lives, regardless of whether we're married or single or what we've done, we will all face death and die. The simple truth is that all of us at some stage in life will find ourselves as one of the people in the reading that Ashley read a few moments ago. At some stage, we will be part of the crowd that was in that reading because someone we've known to varying degrees has died and we're in the the congregation at the funeral. There'll be times when we may be the mother so closely connected to the person who's died that it's one of the most important people in our life. And all of us, of course, one day will be the young man himself because we will die. How do we live knowing we will die? It's one of the questions I don't think we wrestle with as humans very often. We put it off. We keep it at arm's length. We know we will be split from our loved ones. We know we will cease to be. How do we live knowing we will die? Humanity struggles with this. But this morning we're reminded there is one who has power over death. There is one who's got the answers and the power. So we're not going to spend very long this morning looking at this, uh, but it's very, it's profound. 
Jesus, if you have a look behind me in the first verse, goes to a place called Nain, and as he approaches the town gate, Luke, who's written this account, Luke's the gospel writer, he gives us some background detail. A dead person is being carried out of the town, and as well as a crowd processing, we're told the mother of this, this boy is here. What's more, we're informed that she's a widow. Just think for a moment how sad that is. This is the tragedy of death at its worst. Does anything speak of the tragedy of death in our world more than parents burying their own children? And I know as I say that, there are some in this room this morning who know the pain of this. But this lady had, was not just burying her own child, she, she'd lost her husband. This is everything that's wrong with death. But then comes verse 13, and I love it. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, don't cry. Here we see that death isn't the final inevitable word that we so often think it is in this world because we see Jesus, the one who stands above even death. And in particular, we see two crucial aspects about Jesus that we need, and it's the only thing that gives us confidence or hope in this world. We see both his compassion and his authority. We see that he wants to do something because he's compassionate and he can do something about it because he has such power and authority. And you need both those things to be able to do anything here. I could want to do something about it, but I'm totally unable. Someone might be able to have the power and authority to do it, but choose not to. Jesus has got both. And we see it here in these verses. Luke, the author in verse 13, does something quite unusual. He calls Jesus the Lord. It's quite unusual in the Gospels that. Normally when you, you see Jesus being called Lord, it's on the lips of other people. They call him Lord. Here the Gospel writer himself calls him Lord. That is, he's referring to Jesus as God. We see his authority and power here. But we also see wonderfully his compassion. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her. I get frustrated. I don't get frustrated much in life, but I get frustrated when people speak about Jesus as, as if he's just a theory. Or if, as if he's just an abstraction, or if it's impersonal when you're speaking about Jesus. He's compassionate. He loves. He has grace and mercy. And because he's God, it means the God that we know is compassionate. The one, he's the God whose heart goes out to us, and he then acts on, on that. You may not have many people in your life who love you. The Lord does. It's a great truth. A wonderful truth. So Jesus says to the woman, don't cry. Now just think about the context of that for a moment. That's a pretty gutsy thing to say. Don't cry. You've got to be supremely confident or particularly insensitive to say to a widow who's just lost her child, don't cry as they're in the funeral procession. The fact that Jesus says it, says he's either insensitive or he's supremely confident. Well, we're then told in verse 14 that he went up and touched the coffin and said to the boy, young man, I say to you, get up. Again, either totally insensitive or he's so supremely confident that he can do what he's about to do that he does it publicly in front of everyone. There's no coming back from that, right? If you say that at this particular moment, there's no coming back from if it goes wrong. But it works as Jesus knew it would. Verse 15, the dead man sat up and began to talk. 
This is the reason why none of the enemies in Jesus' time, because you might read this and go, well, this must be fancy. You can't believe this. This is, this is nonsense. It must be made up. This is the reason why all the enemies of Jesus believed he had this power, because so many people saw it. If you were here last week, we saw Herod, uh, and Herod had heard about all the miraculous power of Jesus. Even the people who didn't like Jesus knew that he was powerful because he did all these things in front of everyone. This is the only reason we're still talking about this guy 2,000 years later, because he did these things. He did it here. Jesus raised the dead as easily as you or I might raise a sleeping child. In fact, if that child's a teenager, it's probably easier for Jesus to raise the dead than it is for you and I to raise a teenager who's sleeping. Death, death is a reality, as I said before, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be cautious in the way I speak about this because it's sensitive, but it's real. We do ourselves no favor when we don't talk about things which are real. We want to do it sensitively, but we've got to talk about it. We will all die. What can you trust in the face of your death? I'll tell you what you can trust, the one who has power over death. The one who can conquer it simply by speaking. That's who you can trust. And the great thing about Jesus is he can be trusted. He will never let you down. Psalm 23 is probably the best known of the Psalms. And it's David who's writing this psalm. David who was a king in the Old Testament. And he writes, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. He's talking there about the reality he felt in his life of death feeling around him. He felt the weight of it, possibly his own, possibly as he lost other ones. But he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The truth is every one of us will walk through that valley at some time. We will feel the weight of it more at certain stages than others, but we'll all walk through it. And it's possible at that time to think, well, where are you, God? You don't have to walk through that valley. I do. I've got to feel that weight. No, God did walk through it. He walked through it in Jesus, because Jesus didn't just come down and conquer death, he came down to die himself, and he didn't just come down to die to see what it was like. He didn't just come down to identify with us so that we'd have someone who's walked in our shoes before. He came down to die to make sure that death itself was conquered. He died on the cross so that death itself was beaten. He came down because of his compassion on us and to do something about it. In his death... He died the death that means our death is not the end. The death that gives us a good relationship with God, forgiveness and eternal life. We needed someone to fix our relationship with God and Jesus provides it for us. And the great thing about his death is it brings about at a spiritual, eternal level what we see here happen temporarily and physically. See, I love the end of verse 15. I love it when words, just a few words, mean a great deal. And here in verse 15, it says, Jesus gave him back to his mother. There's only a few words there, but imagine what that would have been like. She'd lost her son. He's conquered death, and he gives her back to her mother. What a great moment that would be. The broken relationships that death bring restored. The love which is broken kind of filled again. The loss and pain and separation wonderfully, gloriously fixed, rebuilt. But there's a sadness to reading those words because we know that they would have been separated again one day because they both would have died in the future. The promise of God for you and I because of the death of Jesus is that what we see here temporarily and physically is true for us spiritually and eternally. Jesus' death means that our relationships with God, our relationship with God and our relationship with all Christians who are in Jesus will never be broken. 
this wonderful reuniting that we see here won't end or change for us. Because Jesus has conquered death. Death is gone. The sting is gone for all who trust in our wonderful Savior. I don't think many of us look forward to death. But for the Christian who knows what Jesus has done, who knows the compassion and the authority of Jesus, it changes our perspective because death has been defeated. Tomorrow as we gather for Anne's funeral, there will be a sadness because we knew Anne, we love Anne, we, we miss Anne. But there will also be a joy and a confidence because Anne knew her saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. It changes the perspective. If you're here this morning and you aren't sure about this, I want to ask you, I want to urge you, look into Jesus. Why wouldn't you? If it's at all possible what I've said is true, why would you not examine who this person is and see what it means for your life and for death and for eternity and all those sorts of things? You're not going to lose anything. And I can tell you, he stacks up when you investigate him because this is the real deal. Jesus Christ is Lord. For the rest of us, I want us to know this changes how we live because death is defeated. We have confidence in the face of it. We don't lose heart or lose hope in the face of it. But we must be urgent to spread the news of Jesus in a world that's dying. I pray that this morning, as we think on this passage and we think on what Jesus did here, that it will give us heart because we know that death has been conquered by our Saviour Jesus. But I also pray that it may give, give us an urgency to preach and proclaim Jesus to others for whom the sting of death is still there. Let's give thanks for the Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this incredible thing that we've been reminded of this morning, the power and authority, but also the great and deep compassion of your Son, our Saviour. And Father, I thank you not just that he, he did this one incident here where it would have been lovely for the mum and uh, lovely for the young man as well, we thank you more importantly that he himself died so that death can be conquered for all who trust him and follow him. Father, I thank you for what that means for Brian, for Cass and Zach, for Anne and the Dunbar family, for each one of us. I pray that it would give us confidence. I pray that it would help us be even more urgent in preaching Jesus to a world that faces the reality of death. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.